Ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Eli James here, along with Pastor David Martins of South Africa. At long last, we've been able to connect with Pastor Martins. And so today, we're just going to do a show about uh, current events as they pertain to us here, wherever we are, and to the people of South Africa, especially the Boer Israelites of South Africa. And of course, I I know... uh, we have to accommodate uh, your study on the terminology being properly Yasharel instead of Israel, but that's what the, the, all the theologians in the world still use Israel instead of Yasharel. But be that as it oh. may, for the time being, we'll, uh, we'll eventually get that straightened out. So, so why, uh, why were you unable to uh, connect with us the last couple of weeks? Had, had something to do with Telephone poles or, you know, uh, 5G? Yes. Yeah, go ahead. Tell us what was going on here. Uh, good evening, Pastor Eli, and also good evening to our listeners across the globe. Uh, Pastor, yes, um, we've had a situation, a local situation, where the, um, first of all, rolling power blackouts. Okay. And that was not due to the... Um, the extremity of the uh, solar flare that we had anticipated, but that had been because of the incapability of the black economic empowerment of right. the state. Um, with with the Electricity Supply Commission, the, the uh, state-owned, uh, if I say state-owned, it actually means the taxpayers-owned um, power utility, uh, because of black economic empowerment, what they had done is they had shed ESCOM of all the capable and the people that were trained in the building and the maintenance of the power generation equipment, which are, of course, very low-grade uh, um, coal okay. uh, burning uh, power stations that had uh, been built well, most of them had been built over a very long period of time uh, before the takeover, uh, or rather not the takeover, before the Edomite Jews instituted or set up the ANC for the government of South Africa. So it is an orchestrated uh, chaos that was created by the Edomites, whom in collaboration with the Edomite Brothers of the Afrikaner Dom, right, which included the Afrikaner Bruderbond and the Dutch Reformed Church and all the Afrikaner institutions, in the handover of power, or the um, the handover of power, not just to blacks per se, 
but to black Freemasons because the previous government, the white government, was a government of white Afrikaner Freemasons handing power over to black Freemasons. Yes. And because of the, uh, the blacks that had become Freemasons, not by their own will, but, but that was a condition for them to gain power. Right. And their greed for power was greater than their, their need for succession of the establishment of right. Freemasonry amongst the younger blacks. Yes. And that had led to a situation where uh, the, the power had uh, passed from a black Freemason to black Freemason to black Freemason and then it fell through, well, we call it in Afrikaans, to fall the pap op grond. Because then uh, communism and state capture had become a greater thing than establishing um, the, the uh, Freemason-run society or the Freemason-run government. Now, what had um, also um, exacerbated the situation was that um, the state capture uh, meant that now the state capture was already uh, prevailing in the days of the previous government, the white government. Okay. Because F.W. de Klerk, F.W. de Klerk actually orchestrated 3,000 tons of gold to be shipped outside, uh, out of South Africa into American and Swiss banks, which was called the Project Hammer. Oh, wow. There's quite a bit of information on that. On the internet, and it's been flowing on the uh, okay. social media for a number of times, with the South African gold being used as the bailout for debt that was incurred by banks in, Eng- uh, in, in well, across the globe. Right. Banks that had become debted and had to be bailed out, and they used the South African gold reserves for the bailing out uh-huh. of, for example, uh, some of the banks in America, the Chase Manhattan Bank, the um, whatever the banks were, it, it's past my mind well, at the moment. But right. uh, the project was called Project uh, Project Paper. Hammer. There's quite a bit of information on it, and the guilty ones have never been taken to task on this. Sure, uh, it's been um, suppressed by the present governments because, uh, if I say governments, I mean uh, first of all, Nelson Mandela or the um, very look-alike Nelson Mandela, who was actually a Mozambican, uh, with oh. whom Nelson Mandela had met. And the resemblance says between the two were exploited by these Edomite Jews for the purpose of killing Nelson Mandela. The true Nelson Mandela was killed in 1887, I believe, in London oh, really? and replaced with this... This Nelson Mandela lookalike. Okay. And people didn't realize. Yeah. Well, Especially white people, right? Because they, they don't pay close attention yes. to what black people look like, right? <laughs> now, now, maybe one of the Beatles, yeah. right? They may have recognized the difference between the old Paul McCartney and the new Paul McCartney, but I didn't notice any difference, right? So, yeah, I'm sure they have these replacements yes. all the time. Even Hitler, had several body doubles. Well, if one looks at the Joe Biden from 20 years ago and you look at the Joe Biden from today, 
It is a very, very remote picture that you get. Right. Uh, in fact, the Biden of today walks like a robot. He looks like a, <laughs> a robot. A, a, um, <laughs> right. A pedophile. He look, acts like a pedophile he, too. Well, Pastor, one would rather say he, he resembles the same pedophile that he was. Yeah. But right. he walks like he walks like a zombie would. That's right. A mechanized zombie. Yeah, I I agree. Yeah, so is uh, who's Zuckerberg? Zuckerberg actually looks like a, a robot. Have you ever taken a close exactly. look? Exactly. Yeah, he looks like a robot. So uh, it's it's quite possible. Some, yeah, go ahead. Something humanoid. Right. <laughs> That sounds like a good title for a song. Something humanoid has has taken over us, right? And we're zombies, right? Yeah. So it, it turns out yes. that this word zombie, I guess it's of, uh, you know, what this, Haiti? Haitian extraction where they, uh, they, they put spells on people and turn them into zombies like the walking dead. Right, that's become a worldwide familiar term, zombies. Now, but now it's being applied to liberals as well, <laughs> right? And rightfully yeah. so, right? Okay, so so obviously, so they they tore down or somehow accidentally tore down your telephone poles. Is, is that what happened, or was this a deliberate act of sabotage? Yes. No, it was. I think more a case of um, uh, um, ignorance of the facts, okay. because um, the, the um, um, what used to be a telecommunications utility, which is also state-owned, but it has been privatized uh, at the expense of the taxpayer and at the benefit of the politicians of the ANC, right. um, the the telecommunications um, utility uh, have appointed black economic em- empowerment individuals to actually um, remove the poles and the infrastructure that was used for older technology uh-huh. uh, telecommunication systems. There's quite a bit of money in it because it's copper wires and it's steel oh, poles, yeah. and that becomes that becomes scrap metal. Which, um, where the poles would be, for example, approximately 17,000 rands, South African rands each, are reduced to about seven rands worth of junk metal right. for the sake of, of the pocket of certain individuals. Now, right. what we also know is that uh, many of the mines, the gold, gold mines in Johannesburg and around Johannesburg, uh, some of the, um, um, the the uh, coal mines in the eastern Transvaal and northern Natals, Natal had been uh, converted to black economic empowerment uh, <laughs> organization. Okay. They were, they were granted, these black politicians were granted um, directorships in uh, the management positions of these mines and with these directors claiming um, expenses to, for their expenses to be paid, uh, claiming motor cars, motor vehicles as part of their package, etc. Remember, the black economic empowerment was 
a, uh, enforced on the South African economy sure. by virtue of law. And so many small businesses had gone out of business because only businesses that practiced and that had a record, a provable record and a certification of black economic empowerment uh, um, organizations could actually obtain contracts to continue working. Right. Now, many of these businesses had been completely taken over by black economic empowerment, where it was enforced, first of all, as a 50% participation of blacks in white businesses. Uh Eventually, those businesses became 100% black-owned, which included what was targeted was mines, and many of these mines were operating, and because of the way in which the labor unions had um, targeted industries and mines for um, to to lay lame uh, the economic uh, um, the, the, the ec- economics of South Africa, they started removing pumps and electrical equipment out of mines and scrapped or, or sold as scrap. Right. So these mines have been reduced to a fraction of their true value because of all the equipment that had become scrap metal. Right. And this is evident <laughs> across the country. Black you know, scrap metal empowerment. They yep. <laughs> they Please. don't sell an electric motor, for example, for its electric motor capabilities. It might be a 30 horsepower, three um, or a, a, a 300 or 30 kilowatt a motor, um, which is most probably about in the, in the order of a quarter of a million rand. They wow. reduce it to scrap metal so that they can have perhaps 300 rands worth of scrap metal or uh, sure. 200 rands worth of scrap metal and 300 rands worth of uh, copper wire, right. which is scrap. Okay. Uh, uh, they, I have a- they don't. Yeah, sorry, I have a question here. Uh, since this black economic empowerment and all its, the corruption that goes with it, uh, wouldn't the uh, yes. Cape Dutch Afrikaners be suffering from this as well? Uh, what about the Freemasons? Because you know, how are they staying employed when these companies have to employ blacks only? Pastor, uh, um, the strange thing is that uh, because of the the the, um, the Cape Dutch Afrikaners holding the um, the seats of power in organisations, okay. of course they were the last ones to lose their positions or their jobs, uh-huh. or they had built up such a a, um, a a well such a high value in terms of their pensions and uh, in terms of their properties. Uh, that they acquired, uh, for example, uh, the the best properties in Cape Town along the seashore, uh, along uh, what is known as the Ch- um, Chapman Drive, along the Twelve Apostles, down to um, all these holiday resorts. Uh-huh. They used their pension. When they went on pension, they went and they bought these properties, and they now are uh, using that property uh, in exchanging that property, well, they advertising this in um, overseas markets as prime properties, and where they, for example, they might have bought a property 
um, 10, 12, 15, 20 years ago, at perhaps five or eight million rand. That property is now 30, 40 million rands worth oh, okay. because of the way in which it's being marketed in foreign, um, in foreign um, currency. Okay. Now, uh, the other thing that I wanted to say is okay. Go ahead. Something, something that we missed with our discussion on CEO von Rensburg uh-huh. is that many of these Edomite Cape Dutch Afrikaners have heard Sina von Rensburg's prophecies and that uh, there's a lot about uh, towns and cities in South Africa, for example, Priska uh, and the area around Priska and the areas of the Karoo is very prominent in Sina von Rensburg's prophecies. And with their pensions, these individuals from the Edomite Cape Dutch Afrikaners in their pound seats that they held for so long, they went up, they went to these places and bought up all the properties. They bought up all the farms in the area because they're doing the same as Peter Tief, the Freemason Peter Tief wanted to do by going and negotiating with the Zulu king uh-huh. for the purpose of selling. He went to negotiate uh, the extraction of land from the Zulus so that he could go and sell the land right. to the Boers. Yes. Now, that, that was... Middleman. Yeah, the middleman. There you go. Yep. That's by himself by virtue of the fact that a Cape Dutch Afrikaner had spoken with Reverend Owen, a Freemason in Port Natal, whom was friends with Ketchway, or well, rather with Dengan's brother. Okay. And Dengan received a message from his brother saying that these white men that came to negotiate for land were going to kill them because they had firearms with them. So Dengan actually killed uh, the whole of Peter Tief's, um group of men that went to negotiate for land. Right. Now, one of the things, there are some, there are some lessons to be learned out of this. Yeah. Never fool with, never fool with Father Yahweh's people. That's right. the one thing. Right. Don't go, and, don't go and negotiate land with the intent and purpose to sell it to the Boers. Right. Because the Boers, being of the descendants of the house of Jacob, uh, are Father Yahweh's chosen people. Yes. Chosen people, yes. Yeah. Now, exactly the same thing had occurred when these Edomite Cape Dutch Afrikaners, especially the Freemasons, who held top positions um, in many of these positions that they held, you could only be promoted to that position or you could only uh, successfully apply for that position if you had been or had become or reached a certain degree within Freemasonry uh-huh. or a member of the Corner Bruderbond. Right. To be a member of the Corner Bruderbond, you had to be a member of the Dutch Reformed Church. Right. So right. whether you go the Freemason way or the Afrikaner Bruderbond way, uh, in the end you're sitting with a a, a deception that is based on a contract that you sign with Satan. Sure. Irrespective of which one, it's, it's a contract or an yes. agreement that you make with Satan. Very good. And Very good. Today we're sitting with a situation where 
so many of these Freemasons that had purchased the land, these Edomite Cape Dutch Afrikaner Freemasons that had purchased the land are sitting on prime property in the areas, the very areas that Sina van Rensburg had prophesied uh-huh. that okay. these land would become the uh, places that the Boers would flee to uh-huh. to okay. overcome the persecution that comes. Well, I was just Can getting ready. The time? Yeah, I was just getting ready to say they better sell it fast because the world economy is collapsing, right? They better sell it fast to, to oh. make their investment pay off. Yeah. Now, something that I foresee, Pastor, um, that is that these Edomites, um, of of whom most of them are the descendants of the Edomite Kazarians, right? Um, that are planning, and they have been per- um, um, they have been perpetuating these same principles as Nimrod with the Tower of Babel. Now, with this said, uh, these Edomite Kazarians are in the process of a worldwide reset, the great reset. Right. But they don't realize that Father Yahweh is going to intercede in that particular, or is going to interfere with that great reset. Father Yahweh is going to do his supreme reset. Yes. And to return this this whole planet back to what it was intended to be in the first place. Along with a new heavens and a new earth, <laughs> right? As stated in the book of Revelation exactly. and in the book of Isaiah, okay? But uh, now, because I remember okay. very clearly when I was there in 2014, and we visited many shopping malls in various cities while I was there, and those seem to be thriving fairly well. I remember I, ne- I needed to get a charger for my Mac computer at the time. And uh, I had to deal with the white manager of the store because he was the only one who understood what I was asking for. And so I was able to purchase that so I could charge up my, my computer, right? And these shopping malls were very well populated and seemed to be thriving. Uh, how is it going now? with uh, the current chaos of black economic uh, power outages. (laughs) Over to you. Pastor, yes. I think um, the place that I had taken you to was in the East Rand Mall, which was just south of uh, Johannesburg Airport. Okay. Now, many of the smaller shops have actually closed in these places. You will see that. Right. uh, Now, I haven't. I haven't been to East Strand Mall itself for quite a while. Um, uh, as I moved to this, to, first of all, I, I I was living in the Cape for a number of years, and then I moved to uh, the Southern Cape. Okay. Now the malls in in the Cape and in the in in the Southern Cape that um, I, if I would say that I frequent, I would say perhaps once in two months. I see the same pattern as I see in the small towns, and that is that the uh, businesses are changing hands. Uh-huh. And many of the businesses were under white control. They become black. And once it becomes a black business, you can see the demise rapidly declining. The, uh-huh. the rapid de- 
declining output, um, and and where those businesses close, uh, security companies establish themselves, or churches, especially black churches. Uh-huh. So a shopping mall, black church, uh, already is an indication that that shopping mall is busy in a retrograde, in a right. retrogression of existence. That's right. Uh, because, yeah. because it means that a business can no longer afford to hire that particular shop and only with people who don't need to work for their money, like, for example, ministers that uh, <laughs> of the Judeo-Christian churches, that so much depend on the tithes being paid, etc. Right. Um, they can afford these places. And of course, security companies, security companies which thrive under the conditions that we have in this country. Of course, with people now subscribing to the services of security companies, because um, the right to defend oneself is being eroded by the government's laws, new laws being instituted, by this communistic government, in fact, by this Edomite Kazarian mafia appointed government. Right. In right. terms of, they they have numerous security guards that right. guard them. Now, if you remember that South Africa used to have four provinces, with the the, the changeover of hands. The four provinces became nine provinces. Now, nine provinces mean nine premiers, nine oh. houses of parliament of that party. So More the, politicians, more uh, <laughs> bureaucracy, right. But it, it is a, not just a bureaucracy, Pastor. It is a super bureaucracy. If you consider, for example, that the South African president in terms of his payment, in terms of his salary, receives more than the President of the United States. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> okay, that, that's... Can you imagine that? Yeah, yeah, no wonder the country's going bankrupt. And they, they can't afford to run your telegraph lines and, and, and light poles properly. Amen, amen. Okay, coming, yeah. coming back to these uh, polls... Right. Uh, one of the poles that, that carry our um, Wi-Fi network, where our internet network, uh, which feeds our Wi-Fi routers, that pole was removed erroneously. Um, <laughs> okay. So it was pulled up erroneously, and that interfered yeah. with our networks. Uh-huh. Okay. So, so I assume so they've erected a... With, we're sitting with a combination of... Uh, incapability or incompatibility of um, work to be done by the people who have been trained to read the exact numbers, etc. And also then with uh, power outages, Uh Uh, we have a pending outage uh, in a few minutes' time. Yeah, (laughs) we do. um, (laughs) Yeah, okay. Oh, all right. Hopefully not during our broadcast, right? Okay. Well, also, I think somewhere uh, with the price of petrol, the guy who was supposed to go and shut our power down ran out of petrol and he refuses to walk. Uh, so 
Um, we were supposed to have this power outage from 6 o'clock our time, which was already 27 minutes ago, 28 minutes ago. Uh, so we, we can count ourselves lucky that we still have power. Right. But somewhere in the country, somebody is sitting without power because uh, it is a rolling blackout, and I think it is – uh, for the uh, penalty of the taxpayers, the penalty of the users, the, those that pay for electricity, their power gets cut. But in locations and in these uh, black settlements, they cannot cut the power because the moment they cut the power, they've got to rewire the whole settlement. Right. <laughs> because their power, the, the copper wire gets stolen. Right. From these poles that distribute power. Yeah, I, I remember somebody in in South Africa, two two black guys tried to take the power lines, uh, collect the copper before turning the electricity off, <laughs> right? And their charred bodies yeah. was all that remained of them. I'll never forget that. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. We often see videos of uh, that people take of blacks that climb these uh, very tall masts and think they know so much about power, and then they try and cut the cables with inadequately isolated. Yeah, insulated. Shears. Right. Exactly. When they get close to these cables, of course, the extremely high voltages that are present on these cables electrocute them and actually send them out falling from these poles looking like a candle. Right. Wow. This is what... Wow. Candle, human candle power. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, it's it's, it's quite gruesome to see, but Pastor, um, uh, I, I have a lot of condolences with people that are suffering. Sure. But these... Um, are, are foreigners, they come from a, as far afield as the Sudan. In other words, just south of Egypt. Right. They flee to, once was a white state, white-run state, because of the lucrative um, uh, benefits that they have in South Africa. These blacks receive free medical attention or free medical care. And the services, and they res- they receive a house, and they receive free electricity, and they receive whatever they demand, they get for free. Yes. And of, with with that comes also a very uh, a very high intensity of um, the uh, very worst of Africa that they <laughs> right. whatever they cannot demand for, they go and steal. They break in. They steal. They murder, uh, and and South Africa has, uh, I I saw the other day, every uh, 27 minutes somebody is murdered in South Africa. Wow. Wow, that's almost as bad as Chicago. (laughs) Yes. During the the peak war in Afghanistan, more people died in South Africa than, then died in Afghanistan in the worst state of the war. Right. South Africa is, in fact, on a un, uh, uh, undeclared war, and the war is being waged against the white people. Of course. Just in this past two weeks, uh, I saw videos of 
a white man that had been robbed, and he reported the robbery, and, and it was in Fishhook, the town that I used to live in when I lived in the Cape. Uh-huh. Uh, he reported the, the burglary at his property, and when the police arrived, he wanted to lay a charge against or a, a charge of break-in and theft. Right. So the police, the two, the two black policemen, started thrashing him and bullying him with um, these. Um, well, th- they actually thumped him and kicked him because oh. they wanted to arrest him for wanting to lay a charge of break-in and theft. Against the black so the person, police have, right? Was the, the police have become of the white man in South Africa? Yeah, yeah, right. That's 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 uh, racial equality for you. Yes, yeah. So, uh, all right. So exactly. this is one level of corruption in South Africa: the, the black econo- economic disempowered uh, power outages, the black economic power outages all over the country, and the corruption of the police, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, just to compound the issue of farm murders, which are always against white people, are there any white farmers left to murder? Uh, Pastor, uh, already, uh, if you look at the uh, state of farming in South Africa uh, 112 years ago, um, where the Boers, when the Boers were um, at the farms in the Boer republics, um, they were quite complacent. They were quite happy, and they had they had their freedom, etc. Except with the two wars that the Cape Dutch Afrikaners had um, had, had um, conspired against the Boer republics. Right. Uh, the Boers had had uh, the use of their land. They had the use of their farms. <laughs> But after the takeover, after the hijacking of the Boer Republics by the Edomite Cape Dutch Afrikaners on the 31st of May 1910, these farmers, uh, thousands of farmers, you must remember that more than 42,000 farms had been burned down and all the cattle stolen by the Cape Dutch Afrikaners and their um, proxy um, mercenaries, which was, of course, the British Empire, uh-huh. and so these farmer, these Boer farmers returned to more than forty-two thousand burnt-down farms. Wow! With with more than four thousand of their wives murdered, with more than thirty-four thousand of their children murdered in the concentration camps. Right, and thousands, thousands of these women and children, daughters of as young as 10 years old, raped by these Edomite Cape Dutch Africana proxy uh, uh, mercenaries, which included thousands of blacks. Right, yeah, they black mercenaries. Blacks yes. Yeah. Okay, now, well, now I know that you're on a crusade in South Africa to make your people aware of the fact that these Cape Dutch Afrikaners are not more people at all and that they are, in yes. fact, imposters pretending to be more people. How is – because I know you have been personally uh, persecuted for exposing this fact. How is that going? Are more and more more people 
now understanding what you're trying to tell them? Pastor, before I, I answer that question, I just want to say that after Jan Smuts and Louis Boerta had, had completed the state capture on the 31st of May 1910, after that, now I remember that the 42,000 Boer homesteads, farms being burned down, etc., and the cattle stolen, millions of cattle killed yes. and burnt. Um, and including their the house dogs, their the pets. Right. But, first, if you can just be with me for a moment. Yeah. Yes. So What I wanted to say in this regard, Pastor, is over and above that, you must remember that more than 50,000 Cape Dutch Afrikaners were, um, were, they actually participated as um, um, as as uh, they, they rapists, became, murderers uh, against the Boers, right? They actually participated but, against the uh, Boers. They volunteered when Kitchener called for the volunteers in the Cape. More than fifty thousand Cape Dutch Afrikaners had become volunteers and participated in the war against the Boers on the British side. Okay. Now, when the war was over and the peace had been signed in 1902 by Jan Smuts, the very uh, uh, Trojan horse that had become part and parcel of the British, uh, sorry, of the Boer um, Volksrat. Okay. He became the Minister of, of, of Defense or the what was called the Minister of the State Attorney. Okay. In other words, the Minister of but he became the Minister of War. Uh, by virtue of his position when war was declared. In fact, Jan Smuts was the one that uh, set up, that wrote the ultimatum that he had already foreknown. The British would not accept the ultimatum and war would be um, unavoidable. Right. Because Jan Smuts, prior to becoming the state, um, the state attorney or the minister of justice in the Boer Republics, he was part and parcel of the uh, conspiracy that was conspired against the Boer Republics. He was not just a participant in the uh, in the establishment of the conspiracy against the Boers, but he became a Trojan horse amongst the Boers, and he of course negotiated via the Freemasonry negotiated with the Freemasons in the Cape. Right. Okay. In other words, yeah. he, was in, Treachery. he was in constant contact was the, the enemy. Yes. He was part and parcel of the enemy. He was a Trojan horse that was planted in the enemy, and he was always on a marked horse, knowing that he's the, the so-called enemy that he was facing and that he was fighting, knowing that the enemy that he was fighting, namely the Boer, the, the British soldiers, right. were also from the house of Jacob. Right. One must not over the fact that the Edomites were in control and the house of Jacob from the British Empire was used against the house of Jacob, the Boers. Right. So whichever way they were fighting, they were f causing the battle between the house of Jacob's uh, two branches the house of Jacob right. on either side. But with Jan Smith and Weberta being on marked horses, they knew that they would no never come into the firing line. Right. What I also wanted to say, Pastor, is that 
after the takeover, the state capture of the Boer Republics in, on the 31st of May 1910, thousands of farmers had been disowned from their farms, and those farms were handed over to the Cape Dutch Afrikaner Edomites uh, wow. that were honored as soldiers of the Queen uh, of uh, England. Uh, wow. More, and they, and they did not participate. 50, they did not participate in the war. No, it, they were just granted that honor. Now, the first Boers that were disowned from their land were those Boers that participated on the Boers side right. of the war. And if you go and look at the facts, you will find that the British government had granted a three million pounds, what was supposed to be a reparation to the Boers uh-huh. because of the, the, that had been burned down, etc. That three million pounds was used to cart and transport the Cape Dutch Afrikaners who had now become the owners of the farms of, that the Boers had been disowned from. Right. But what's more, those Either my Cape Dutch Afrikaners that had now settled on Boer farms in the Boer Republics and also outside of the Boer Republics, but in the Boer Republics, brought with them um, cooperations, agricultural cooperation called the Afrikaner Bond. And that meant that those farmers of the Boers that did not lose their farms could only, or they found them, them, themselves in a position where they could only sell their products to the corporations that the other farmers in the, the area had, had created. Okay. So the corporations became the trading mechanism, and the only way in which those Boer farmers could also participate in the selling of their products and the buying of products that they needed to farm if they were members either of the Freemasonry or if they were members of the Dutch Reformed Church and the Afrikaner Bruderbond. Right. Okay. So they have total control so, of, their, of your society. Yeah. Yes. The Edomite Cape Dutch Afrikaners took full control. Now, at one stage, that was not enough. And they started <laughs> creating what was okay. All right. as the meat board. The mealy board, the sugar board, in other words, these super organizations through which a farmer could not sell or buy their products unless it's done through these boards right. and through the corporations, which was controlled by, by the Edomite Cape Dutch Afrikaners and their Freemasonry and their, of course, the Afrikaner Bond. Now, Pastor, that meant that the Boer farmers if they had not become, first of all, members of the Edomite Cape Dutch Afrikaners Dutch Reformed Church, they could not participate in any buying or selling. And the only way in which they could become members of the church is if they were now so-calledly baptized by means of the duomini, pressing his fingers in a bowl of water yeah, and sprinkling. pressing that mark of the beast. <laughs> mark of the beast. Yeah. Yes. Yes, by someone Throughout who, the history, yeah. throughout who, the history, whenever it is a religious requirement 
for people to be able to buy and sell, the sign that was used to indicate that that person had now become a Christian or Christianized right. was by virtue of the, by virtue of the, the minister, the Domini, pressing his wet fingers on the forehead of the baby or of the grown-up because right. the Boer um, uh, progenitors could only buy or sell when they arrived in the Cape. They could only become permanent members or inhabitants of the Cape if they had become Christianized and members of the Dutch, Dutch Reformed Church. And the only way in which they could become members of the Dutch Reformed Church was by being christened on the uh-huh. forehead with the wet fingers of Germany. Yeah, and under their thumb, <laughs> uh, henceforth. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so now this message that you've been sharing here on Eurofolk Radio since 2014, how is our are more and more people waking up to the fact that the Cape Dutch Afrikaners are in fact crypto Jews and not Boers at all? Uh, Pastor, yes, more and more are waking up to this fact. What I do find is that there is a massive, very thick layer of Calvinism uh-huh. that actually inhibits to a large degree the understanding of these Boer people. You must remember that from their progenitors, they had been become, they were forced to become members of the Dutch Reformed Church. Uh-huh. And even when they formed their own version of the Dutch Reformed Church, they were still penalized and they were put under a uh, censorship by the Dutch Reformed Church for forming their own church, even if it was Calvinistic, even if it was just under a different name. Because the Dutch Reformed Church in the Cape um, was enforcing the the children of the if I can say this, the bastardized children of the Edomite race, uh-huh. the Edomite white, white race from Holland, which included or which um, uh, entailed the Edomite Cape, um, the Edomite Sephardic Jews from which they emanated. If, when they passed at one stage, Jan van Riebeek wrote a letter to the uh, year 17, the Lord 17, in Amsterdam, asking them to send wives to the Edomite Cape Dutch Afrikaners in the, or the Edomite Cape Dutch, as they uh-huh. were called then. Yes. That, uh, okay, because by, by, uh, by reason of the fact that most of these, um, um, these administrators and the employees of the uh, Dutch East Indian Company were single men. Uh-huh. Okay. It was a, a case that Jan van Riebeek saw that the local women, the Hottentots and the Bushmen and the Koi and the San, uh, the women were giving birth to more um, babies that had white fathers than they were of their own people. And he wrote a letter to the year 17 or the Lord 17 asking for um, European women to be sent to the Cape for these men to marry. Right. So that they could uh, procreate their own kind and the, the, the local people procreate their own kind. And it took about, well, it took more than a year for 17 orphanage children, orphanage girls uh-huh. 
from Holland to the Cape. Okay. Now, there was 96, uh, 96 of these Dutch East Indian Company members that arrived with Jan van der Rubia. And you can imagine how many children they were uh, procreating from the local people because Jan van Riebeek saw that more bastardized, bastardized children were being born in the vicinity of the Cape than there were of the local inhabitants themselves. Now, with 96 men, the Lord 17 could only get 17 uh, okay. young girls to come to the Cape. Now, how do you divide 17 young orphanage girls right. amongst 96? Well, how do you do that? You well, it's interesting because, mm-hmm. yeah, well, of course, uh, the math doesn't add up. But uh, what about impressment? Because the British Empire was famous for kidnapping young men and impressing them into service on, in their Navy. Uh, were, weren't they doing that to young women, kidnapping women as well, and sending them to the Cape? Uh, uh, Poster, you must remember that um, the Dutch East Indian Company had control of the Cape basically till 1778 when the British was in power for a very short period of time and it, the the uh, Cape Colony was again handed over to the Dutch, okay. and then again it became with the um, the, the um, r- with the Dutch East Indian Company uh, running bankrupt or being organised or orchestrated into bankruptcy by the Edomites, okay, because the Dutch East Company was orchestrated to bankruptcy by the Edomites okay. that w- were running it. So the British and would take over that. Right, so the British that Jews. Was in 18, that was in 1875 when the Dutch East Indian Company closed its doors. Okay. And these Edomites, as they had known, or the way in which they had been known up to that stage, were stranded in the Cape from 1870, uh, sorry, from 1797. They were stranded in the Cape until the um, the Dutch East Indian Company having lost wars in many cases and, and uh, uh, the Dutch government was indebted to the British government or uh-huh. the British Jewry right. um, where the, the, the Cape Colony was handed over with its stock, its vessels that were in the harbour of Table Bay and Simonstown as well as the sheds and all its contents as well as the people. Okay. were handed over to become British subjects or subjects of the crown. Right. And in 1814, the vessels arrived with British soldiers that actually took possession of the Cape. Okay. Now, that was only in 1814 when that occurred. Okay. But they had been be- become uh, a subjects. The Cape Dutch had become the Edomite Dutch of the Cape. Yes. had become subjects of the town already in 1812 when the official handover was done, but it was only in 1814 when the uh, soldiers' vessel, the, the vessels that brought the soldiers to take control of the Cape had arrived in 1814. And, okay. of course, that was the time when also the Cape Dutch, having 
had the liberty of the use of the Dutch language and all the Dutch facilities that they had, all the Dutch uh, principles and the Dutch policies and the so-called Roman Dutch laws, etc. Now, all of a sudden, they had become subjects of the British crown and they were forced to speak in English. The churches had to turn to English and they started saying uh, um, a slogan which was also carried forward after Afrikaans had been uh, established and the Afrikaans, the Boer language was named Afrikaans uh-huh. and it became where it was, where it was um, greatly suppressed, uh, right? It uh, began to be suppressed. Yes, in favor suppressed of English. By yes. Dutch. Okay. They used Afrikaans and they hijacked the Boers language Afrikaans. Okay. And they started saying the, the slogan um, that um, um, Engels, Engels, English, English, all English in yeah. our schools and in our churches. Our mother tongue is being murdered. Uh, right. So that was, they started saying that in Afrikaans uh-huh. to, to find the the support of people, the local people against the, the use or the enforcement of English within the uh, chambers of justice in within the uh, state, uh, you know, within the chambers of state and also in the chambers of school. The scholastic yeah. um, language was English, and so they used Afrikaans as a language of protestation in 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 the the fact that they hijacked the Boers language, which sure. was of course uh, then named Afrikaans, right. in line with the the that they had chosen for themselves as Afrikaners. Yes. Okay. Well, with about five minutes left, so what is the current, I mean, what's the feedback you're getting now from your fellow Boers and other people who are beginning to understand that there is a huge uh, racial and cultural and religious difference between the Boer people and the Cape Dutch? I mean, this has got to be filtering down. Go ahead. Pastor, um, initially it was an extremely difficult battle that I was fighting, as you know. Yes. Um, I had, uh, within the first month and a half, I received seven direct uh, death threats um, just in, in one night. Wow. Uh, I received, uh, uh, in the course of one night, seven direct death threats in various ways. And over over the period of time of eight years and just about two months, I received in total 22 direct death threats and numerous indirect death threats. Okay. Um, but also many, many uh, curses where, where I had been cursed by people whom um, in various ways used even a... Um, what do you call these dolls? Oh, right. Um, yeah, voodoo doll, uh, right? Voodoo, <laughs> oh, voodoo boy. Voodoo dolls to cast spells on me for the purpose of killing me. Right. And wow. yet, Father Yahweh, he, he revealed to me what was going on. I started doing, um, as I had told you before, I started yeah. doing the spiritual prayer yeah. against these attacks. 
And I found that people started dying wow. out of strange yeah. um, things like pancreatic cancer, um, um, some other forms of cancer, etc. Yeah. Now, one of the things that I'm to say is that Praise I know there's only four minutes left, but yes, what I have seen is that more and more of the Boer people are listening and hearing because they've been listening all along. Yes. But they are beginning to hear Understand. this massive that I've been saying. And I am currently on a, a – a, I've created a number of groups where in which I reveal uh, various aspects of the lies and deceptions of these Edomite Cape Dutch, right. of their true history, of their true identity, of their true heritage, and of their true – uh, yes. They true roots out of Sephardic Judaism, out of the uh, Eskenazi and the Kazarian Judaism, and they right. are beginning to take it. I, I even see people that used to oppose me are now talking about what they used to call the liberals. Right. Are now <laughs> talking about either my Cape Dutch Afrikaners that are so liberal. Right. In other words, they begin very liberal. Knowledge, <laughs> yeah, right, right. But, but we uh, have the same problem in America. This, Most Jews are very liberal and anti-Christian. Yes. Less than sixty years ago, it was still general knowledge that there were two, primarily two, separate and individual. White races that came to the Cape. The Boers being the one white race and the Cape Dutch being the other white race. Right. Okay. Yeah. Par- partially white race. <laughs> because Edomites are not white by any stretch of the imagination. So, all right. So good. That, that's good information that people are finally catching on to this charade because it's the same charade the Jews have been pulling off worldwide. Pretending to be of the house of Jacob when we know they are, in fact, Edomites, Canaanites, Khazars, and other shades between. Right? Definitely not exactly. Jacob Israel. Not. So, yeah. And I, I, I've now taken note of the fact that somebody are, are also referring to the Kenites. Right. Which, of Kenites. course, are the descendants of Cain. Cain, that's exactly right. Yes. Yeah, and so this knowledge is beginning to be spread abroad. In fact, I'm seeing websites uh, like, oh, well, that normally don't, you know, they're, they're conspiratorial websites that normally don't talk about Jews. Now are, in fact, talking about Jews and their impersonation of the House of Jacob. And, you know, so hopefully this message that the Cape Dutch are, in fact, crypto-Jews and not Jacob Israel and, and not Boer at all. They're two, exactly. Like you say, they're two different races. All right, folks, that's our show. We're running out of time. Thank you, Pastor Martins, for sharing your information with us. Thank you all for listening. Praise Yahweh, pass the ammunition, and take care, and Yahweh bless you all. Bye-bye. Also, praise Yahweh. Yeah, praise Yahweh. Ooh.